The title of the message this morning is Strangers and Pilgrims. That's very important. This can help you this morning. I think we very much need this reminder at this time. I mentioned Wednesday night that my son, uh, who's a senior pastor in Dalhart, Texas, preached a message very similar to this. Now, no, I haven't copied his message. I'm not re-preaching his message. This is a message with a similar purpose because I, I think it's very important, as the subtitle says, to have a proper perspective for life in this world. And truth be known, I don't know that I've ever seen believers more discouraged, particularly about politics, than right now. That's not to say that in our history we haven't had uh, dirty politics, nasty politics, bad politics. You know, I, I, it seems like I remember seeing pictures of Abraham Lincoln in some political artwork of the day, portrayed as a chimpanzee and what have you. It's been ugly before, folks. I mean, sin's been around for a long time, but perhaps in our lives, we have never seen it this bad. And I can understand how one might be discouraged, and in some cases, even afraid of the possible outcome. And I think one of the ways I can help you this morning is by putting things in its proper perspective. Sometimes we get in trouble when we lose perspective or we don't have the right perspective. When you have the right perspective, I really think it can help calm you. It can help settle your nerves. It can help assure you or reassure you. Let me give you an example of what I'm talking about. I haven't played golf in years, but years ago, I used to play occasionally, maybe two or three times uh, a summer. And there was a summer years ago that my youngest son, Matt, was here, and we went out to play golf. I think it was right here at the little Fairview uh, golf course, and we were out there playing. And Matt also seldom, if ever, played. It, It was a rare occasion that he got to play. So neither one of us had opportunity to become good, uh, to work on our game. Just every now and then we'd go out and do it for father, son, something to do. Well, we're playing golf that day, and Matt hits a shot. It's a bad shot. It didn't go this way. It went that way, you know, into the woods. And Matt got mad. He takes his golf club, and he's pounding it into the the ground. Not that any of you who play golf have ever, ever done that. But that particular day, Matt was doing that. No, thankfully, he was raised better. He wasn't saying any bad words, but he was beating that golf club up. And, and, and I turned to him, and I told him, I said, Matt, now, you're not good enough to get mad. <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? If you're good and you expect to hit a good shot then you might have reason to be upset with yourself. But you're not any good. Why would you expect to hit a good shot? And why are you surprised that you hit a bad shot? You see, he had a wrong perspective. And his wrong perspective got him in trouble. Had he had the right perspective of understanding, oh, well, you know, I'm not any good and... Doesn't surprise me that it went off that way. If he had had the proper perspective, 
he could have avoided a lot of unnecessary frustration. Which leads me to my main point this morning, and it's on the screen behind me. When it comes to the current condition of our country and our political situation, we would all benefit by reminding ourselves that we are strangers and pilgrims in this world. That will help you to understand that we are really strangers and pilgrims in this world. This thought, in fact, can encourage you enormous, enormously. Because if you're thinking, this is all there is, this is all that we have to live for, things are out of control, yeah, we, we, we might get really nervous and scared and, and apprehensive. But the idea that we are strangers and pilgrims in this world can help us enormously. And that's just not me saying it, that's based on what the Bible says. And what the Bible says, it says for me. It's the perspective that I'm supposed to have. It's the understanding that I'm supposed to have because it can help me. One of the places it's mentioned is in Hebrews chapter 11. That's the chapter of the hall of fame of faith. But it's referring to something that happened back in the Old Testament with Abraham. And with Abraham, the idea originates that we are pilgrims and strangers in this world. And if you go away understanding that today, it won't eliminate all of our concern because it shouldn't. And it won't eliminate our involvement because we should be involved. But it sure can help reduce the stress and the discouragement and the apprehension because it'll put things in its proper perspective. Let's look at that story of Abraham because it's in this story that we learn as Christians that we too, like Abraham and those around him, we too are strangers and pilgrims. It's just a brief uh, um, few verses here, beginning in verse number 8 of Hebrews chapter 11. It says, By faith Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he should after receive for an inheritance, obeyed. And he went out, not knowing whether... He went. By faith, he sojourned in the land of promise, as in a strange country, dwelling in tabernacles, in other words, tents, not not permanent dwellings, with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. And you remember the story. Abraham is doing what Abraham did then as a businessman and what have you. And God chooses to speak to Abraham and says, Abraham, I want you to pack up, you're leaving. I'm going to send you to a promised land. And Abraham, it says, by faith. He just trusted what God said. He packed up and he followed God's command. We read on in verse number 10. For he looked for a city which hath foundations, whose builder and maker is God. Through faith also Sarah herself received strength to conceive seed and was delivered of a child when she was past age because she judged him faithful who had promised. So 
Abraham packs up and he takes off and he's looked for a city that hath foundations, whose builder and maker is God. He's looking for a city. He, he's looking for God's promise. He's not real sure what it is God has promised, but in his mind, it's, it's got to be a heavenly abode. It's got to be a place of God. And it states in those verses also that Sarah demonstrated her faith. She went along with her husband and, and she conceived of a child even in her old age. And then in verse number Verses 12 and 13, it says this. Therefore sprang there even of one, and him as good as dead, so many as the stars of the sky in multitude, and as the sand which is by the seashore innumerable. Again, God called Abraham and said, I want you to move from here to here. Abraham did it by faith, not knowing where he was going. And God also said that the Messiah is going to come through you, through your seed. And so they had a child, and then their descendants just multiplied, and that became God's people. That became the nation of Israel. And of those people at that time, it says in verse number 13, these all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off. That makes these folks our ancestors, if you will, in the faith even. Uh, we appreciate them more when we realize they did what God told them to do, but they, they never saw the promise fulfilled in their lifetime. They never saw the Messiah come. The Messiah would come through the lineage of Abraham, but they were not going to live to see it. And again, that just demonstrates their great faith. It says in verse number 13, These all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off, I mean, the Messiah did come. And we're persuaded of them and embraced them. And here's the key this morning. True for them and true for you and I as believers today. And confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. You know, they lived in difficult times. Sodom and Gomorrah, how bad was that? So bad that God called down fire from heaven and destroyed it, all the ungodliness that was going on then. Yeah, Abraham dealt with difficulties. Abraham dealt with challenges in the world he lived in. But he came to the understanding. And I believe it helped him in his faith to realize that on this earth, they were strangers, they were pilgrims. Verse 12 notes that all of Abraham's descendants were faithful men. They never saw the promise. They never saw the Messiah. But yet God blessed them. What does it mean to be a stranger and a pilgrim? Well, let's look at some Bible scholars who interpret that phrase for us. Albert Barnes says of Abraham, he regarded himself on this earth as a foreigner, having no home and no possessions there. Adam Clark of this verse says strangers, this is talking about strangers, persons who are out of their own country, who are in a foreign land, pilgrims, sojourners, only for a time, not intending to take up their abode in that place, nor to get naturalized in that country. Barclay, another Bible scholar, commenting on that verse says, all their days the patriarchs were strangers in a strange land. That picture of the sojourner became a picture of the Christian life. We too, thousands of years later, connected with Abraham by the same God and the same promises, 
we, just like them, if we are wise today, will come to the realization that we too are strangers and pilgrims. We are just, as the old song says, just a passing through. And having that perspective can help you. You know, I thought about this this week. Let's take this pen right here, okay? And I've got the end sticking out. And let's say in light of eternity, let me go over here. I want to demonstrate this to you. In light of eternity, let's say the head of this pen represents our life. Now, in light of eternity, that's not too small. And let's say that wall over there, from here to there, here's our lives right here, right now. But to that wall represents a trillion years. Well, in this trillion-year time span, this might be a fairly... In fact, this might be generous representing our lifespan. Okay? This is our life on this earth. That trillion years is our life in eternity, in heaven. And by the way, you want to go a step further? Take that trillion years and multiply it by another trillion years, and maybe you got a second of eternity. Kind of overwhelming, isn't it? But when you think of our lifespans on a continuum of being the size of the head of a writing pen, that kind of puts it in perspective. Do we really want to lose it? over what's going on around us. Now, I'm not saying we should be naive. I'm not saying we should be unconcerned. I'm not saying we shouldn't be involved. I'm certainly not saying we, we shouldn't, that we shouldn't vote. I'm not saying any of that. We should be concerned. We should be involved. We should do our part. We, we should care. But folks, it's right to keep it in perspective. Can I hear an amen on that one? It's right to keep it in perspective. Understand the brevity of this life helps us really not to stress over this life. In the light of eternity, this isn't, you know, the Bible calls it a vapor. You know, a vapor, steam goes up and, you know, it's gone, just like that. And that's how the Bible says our lives are in comparison to eternity. You know, this is not our permanent residence. We're strangers here. And while we should be concerned about how things are trending... We shouldn't be in despair over how things are trending. We don't need to wring our hands. We don't need to fret. We don't need to uh, compensate by drinking or popping pills or getting angry or becoming a hermit up in the mountains somewhere. We just simply need to understand that in this world, we are strangers and pilgrims. Abraham understood that. And that helped him to be a man of faith. That didn't make him idle. It didn't make him uninvolved. But it gave him, I believe, the right perspective. So this morning and this afternoon, I want us to think about what does it mean to be a stranger? What does it mean to be a pilgrim? I mean, in a practical way, what does that mean? Because that's the image that God has given us. When God wants us to think about where we stand in this world, it's like God would be saying, he doesn't have to think about it, I would. God would be saying, look, think, think of yourselves as strangers and pilgrims. Because that's something we can relate to. Because we have all, at one time or another, been somewhere where we weren't known. 
Maybe you've had a chance to travel around the world and you're, you're in a foreign land. And it's just that, foreign. Maybe you haven't traveled the world, but you've been in a town in Michigan. You don't know where, where anything is. The Lord says to you and us, whenever we start thinking about our place in all of this, he says, think of it, think of yourself as a stranger and a pilgrim. And he uses that illustration because that's something we can understand. So this morning, we're going to think about that in very practical ways. What does it mean to be in a town where you don't know anybody? What, what does that mean to be in a, in a state where you've never been before? Or what does it mean to be in a country that you've never traveled in before? Because how you have experienced that is how you're going to experience your life here on this earth as a stranger or pilgrim. So five points this morning, five points this afternoon. Point number one this morning, when you think about being a stranger, when you think about being a pilgrim, number one, a stranger in a foreign country is not known nor valued. So the saints walk up and down in the world unrecognized and unappreciated. If you grasp that, you won't be wringing your hands quite as much. We as Christians, less and less are being appreciated and more and more are being accused of being what's wrong with this country. Well, when you are a foreigner in a foreign country, guess what? You're not known. You're not valued. 1 John 3, 1. Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knoweth us not, because it knew him not. Accept it. You know, do what you can, serve the Lord, witness, be involved in church, get involved in politics if you want to, be involved in your community, that's all well and good, but when push comes to shove, understand that when you visit a foreign place, you're not known, you're not valued, you're not appreciated so much, you don't have any clout. Shortly after we came here to Michigan to pastor, uh, a pastor friend that I had gotten to know in the Chicago area who pastored a very large church there. In fact, they're, they still may be on TV today. They, they had nationwide. They, uh, their uh, services were broadcast nationwide on TV. And uh, it was Brother Jim Scudder. In fact, he visited our church years ago when we were over in the, the old building. But we got to know each other. Our schools, our Christian schools played each other in sports, and I got to know him, and we just, we just hit it off. And he was always taking groups of Christians over to the promised land. He did it about every, every two years, and he was getting ready to take a group over there. And uh, some of you have heard this story, but it's been a while since I've told it. Um, he, he was ready to take another group over, and he had two seats left. And nobody to fill him. Somebody canceled at the last moment. He said, he, he called me. He, he said, look, he said, could you and Sharon go short notice? He said, I'll tell you what, I'll make you a great deal. You can go at half price. And it just so happened that somebody in this church, you know, footed the bill for Sharon and I to be able to go what has been our only trip to, to the Holy Land. And I was quite excited about that. I mean, I thought, that, hey, this is great. So I'm, 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 yeah, I'm telling Sharon, hey, you, you married the right guy. Here, we're, we're going to the Holy Land. This is going to be something. And on the way over there, we had a stop in uh, Belgium, in Brussels, Belgium. 
And Brother Scudder, you know, he really encouraged us to come. He said, look, you're going to stay at the nicest motels and what have you. And sure enough, in Belgium and Brussels, we're downtown in the old city square from the, you know, 1300s or whatever, really cool place to be. And there's a really nice motel. And Sharon and I, we go in the room, and it's super nice. And now I'm really feeling my stuff. You know, us guys, you know, we're peacock strutting, strutting around, and I'm feeling really good. And, you know, prior to that, if we were in a Motel 6, we feel like, you know, where they left the light on for us, we felt that was really nice. You know, but this, we open up the, the door to the fridge, and there's all kind of stuff in there. All kind of stuff in there. I mean, there's pop, there's candy bars, there's wine. We didn't touch the wine. Did not, did not touch it. But there's candy bars in there, Belgium chocolates and all this kind of stuff. And, you know, Sharon, you know, I think I was laying on the bed, you know, feeling good. And Sharon's all, she's like, man, there's all kind of stuff in here. They don't put stuff like that in the Motel 6, but it was in there. So we're looking at and And Sharon said, what do we do with that? I said, Sharon, hey, that's what you call complimentary. You know, that's just compliment. That comes with the room. You know, hey, break out a box of them chocolates. You know, and so we're I'm eating them away. You know, give me one of those. Give me one of those pops. And you know, one, I'm eating them. So we spend the night. Next morning, what was left in there? I said, put that in your purse. I just just put it all. Just just put it in your purse. It'll, it'll be. It, you know, we're taking it with us. We're going on a plane. We got a long plane ride. She said, are you sure? I said, yeah, complimentary. So our group assembles down in the hotel lobby. Okay, the whole group is down there. We're down there, and I'm feeling good. Give me, give me another one of them chocolates. Those things are really good. And Pastor Scudder gets up there, and he's, he's, making, you know, he's telling us what we need to do and whatever, giving instructions to the group. It was 60 of us, I suppose. He's giving instructions to the group. He said, and by the way, he says, don't forget what I told you at the meeting. Well, that was the meeting at his church that we didn't attend. He said, Anything in that motel room that you ate or drank, he said, you be sure and go pay for that right now. And they passed around a price list, and the Coke was like $8. So I look at Sharon and say, take that stuff, get it back up to the room, put it back in the fridge right now, and I'll go pay for whatever it was that we I think it was a $40 bill Belgium chocolates bill can be very pricey at a high-end motel like that. Oh, but I could have gone to the desk and said, you know, I, I didn't know, you know, have, have mercy on me. No, I'm, I'm just an, an, Amer- I'm an American dollar bill that they're looking at. And that, that's all they care about. Such is the case for a stranger. Strangers aren't known, and, and, and they really aren't valued, and that, that we don't have any clout. And, and understand that. As it becomes worse and worse in this world, and chances are it will, we could see a revival. That, that's still possible. But what if we don't? We can get discouraged. We can get in despair. Or we can keep the right perspective. That we are strangers and pilgrims. Let's think about it further. Number two, strangers are subject to inconveniences. So are godly men in this world. When you are a stranger and you're in a foreign town, foreign state, or particularly a foreign country, you may be subject to inconveniences. And that's true of us Christians because, guess what? The Bible says in this world, we are strangers, we are pilgrims. John 17, 14 says, I have given them thy word. This is Jesus praying for us. 
And the world hath hated them, because they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Be prepared for the fact that you may and I may, as Christians, and because we're Christians, be subject to at least inconveniences. It used to be, I remember in just my lifetime, years ago, telling people that I was a pastor, carried with it some respect. Kind of like people telling someone, well, I'm, I'm a medical doctor. And there's automatically, oh, well, you, you, at least I do, I have respect. You're, you're a medical doctor. Wow, that, that's, that's impressive. And I, and I wouldn't say that to impress people, but just the reaction, oh, you're a pastor. Uh, that's changed. That, that has changed. You tell people you're a pastor today, it's like, oh, you're one of those. Things are changing. When when you travel, you can be subject to inconveniences. Years ago, when I was a school principal down in in Louisiana for our senior trip, we didn't go to Disney World. We tried to make it something spiritual, and it was a great trip, and the kids loved it. We would go to the mission field in Mexico, and we'd drive down there in an old rickety bus. We'd drive to Laredo, Texas, and we'd cross the border. I, I did this like seven years in a row, so we knew the routine well. We met at the, we had, we left the afternoon from Baton Rouge, Louisiana, got to Laredo, Texas that morning, stopped at a Denny's right there. Everybody ate breakfast and we crossed the border into Mexico. When you cross the border into Mexico, if you're on a bus with a bunch of people, they pull you over. The Mexican authorities pull you over. And that's when they begin to give you a rough time. And you have very limited recourse. I mean, they just kind of stand around and they just kind of look at you and they kind of look at the bus. You know what they're waiting for? something right there. That's the way they play the game down there. And if you don't play their game, everybody off the bus. All your luggage off the bus. Open up all the luggage. Give them 10 bucks, come on through. No problem. That's what you are subject to. You are subject to those kinds of inconveniences. And we learn going into Mexico after the first trip or two, we learn, okay, that's the way it is. And we, and we didn't stress over it. We're, we're going to deal with it because we have the right perspective. And in this world, when we see the craziness of this political season going on, we would do ourselves ill to think, what, 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 what's going on here? It's the world. It's lost people. You, you know, I thought my brother, my brother Steve was here from Louisiana a couple of weeks ago. And I really thought he had the right perspective. You know, when this stuff came out about Trump and what he was saying about women, talking to this guy was called on, on tape, if you will, or at least the audio was. Now, that was bad. That was horrible. That was d- deplorable. You know, but but my, you know, my, my brother said, it's funny how the world is reacting. You know, you know, you know almost like bulletins, you know. And, and my brother said, you know, bulletin, bulletin, bulletin. Two unsaved men were talking dirty. Shocker? You know, the right perspective. Now, that doesn't mean we accept it. I'm not suggesting that. But what I'm saying is a mature person, a safe person, has a perspective. Well, of course, they're unsafe. Walking in darkness. That's what those people do. And rather than wringing our hands or moving to Montana and living in a bomb shelter, we're resolved to witness more. And... Give more and make sure that the church, which is a pillar and ground of the truth, is healthy and is operational. Number three, a stranger is patient and is contented with pilgrim's fare and lodging. 
We are now abroad and must expect little from this world. When you travel, well, let me, let me read the, the verses first. Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you as though some strange thing happened unto you. But rejoice inasmuch as ye are partakers of Christ's suffering, that when his glory shall be revealed, ye may be glad also with exceeding joy. You know, the Lord is telling you, don't think it's strange when bad things happen. There are some things you just have to understand are going to happen. You have to understand that as a stranger and a pilgrim in this world, you're going to be given a pilgrim's fare. You're going to be given a pilgrim's lodging. I mean, anytime Sharon and I travel anywhere, you know, we're staying in a motel, which is never as nice as our home. And we're eating restaurant food, which is many times far inferior to the meals I get at home from my wife. Did good there? Okay. (laughs) But when you travel, that's just the way it is. The bed may or may not be comfortable. The pillow probably is not going to be comfortable if you didn't bring your own. And and, and you you understand that, that you, you have to understand there's pilgrim's fare, there's pilgrim's lodging. You know, when Sharon and I took that trip to, to Israel, uh, you know, the, the breakfast, you know, there's some weird stuff they're eating for breakfast. But it's what's there, and it's what you do. And if, and if you're going to get all bent out, well, why don't they have what I want? Why don't they have a room as comfortable as, as, as my room? Then you're going to get frustrated, maybe aggravated, maybe angry, maybe bitter. And as Christians, if we're not careful... Looking at our political system in the world around us, that's the response that we should have. But Abraham said that we are strangers. We are pilgrims. Does that mean we give up? No. Does that mean we bury our head in the sand? No. But it does mean that we see the big picture. Very quickly, number four. A stranger is wary that he may not give offense and incur the hatred and displeasure of the natives. I've been numerous trips to Mexico, one trip to Belgium and uh, Israel, and there are certain things in certain places you're told that people are sensitive about, and you, you just don't go there. 1 Peter 2.12 gives us a biblical perspective. Having your conversation honest among the Gentiles... That whereas they speak against you as evildoers, they may by your good works, which they shall behold, glorify God in the day of visitation. In other words, in this strange land that we're just passing through, we want to make sure that we're living like Christians. That we're not giving offense to folks. I think sometimes lost people know better how Christians ought to live than a lot of Christians. A lot of Christians try to justify worldliness and all sorts of ungodly stuff. Whereas it seems to me, my observation is, unsaved people know, no, you you guys aren't supposed to be doing that, dressing that way, doing this or doing that or talking about this or that. And, you know, just as I wouldn't want to be uh, an offense to anybody. You know, they, they told us, you know, over, over in Israel, a lot of times the, the, and the breakfast was a buffet in, in the motel rooms we were staying in. And th- there would be waiters, waitresses, and what have you. And they said, look, don't joke about, you know, BLT sandwiches, you know, bacon sandwiches. They said, don't joke. You, you, you will offend them. They won't think it's funny at all. So, so, so don't offend them. So, again, 
We want to guard our testimony. And we need to understand in this world, as bad as it gets, we need to be more conscious of guarding our testimony. Lastly, number five, a stranger is thankful for the least favor. So we must be thankfully contented with the things God has bestowed upon us. Anything in a strange country is much. 1 Thessalonians 5.18 kind of sums it up in general. And everything give thanks for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. We could be angry about the direction of our country. We could be bitter about the direction of our country. We might want to, somebody might want to raise up arms on one extreme and another one might want to go bury their head in the sand, the other extreme. No, we're, we're just passing through. We're, 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 just, we're, we're just visitors. And whatever in this hostile world comes our way that is a blessing, we can be thankful to God. In spite of all the political junk going on around us and as dirty as it has gotten and may yet get dirtier, guess what? I've experienced blessings. I have blessings every day. And even in this strange and pilgrim land, the Lord has seen fit to bless me. I'll go home to a house better than I deserve, travel home in a car better than I need, and I have reason to be thankful today. We could focus on the negative. We could be wringing our hands. We could be living in abject fear, which is what I think some Christians are today. And to put it in perspective, yeah, we have reason to be concerned. And yeah, we should be motivated to being salt and light as never before and see this as an opportunity. But at the same time, that pinhead, in light of eternity... The size of that pinhead is probably generous for what we're experiencing. But it is what we're experiencing now. So let us view this life as the Bible tells us to. And this will help you. This will help me. We are strangers and pilgrims. And there's more aspects to being strangers and pilgrims that we need to consider. And we will this afternoon. Our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed.